Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the Gospel for Life. We are continuing um, to look at the Psalms. If you have missed any of this series, of course, you can go to uh, the 94.1 website and and. Or you can subscribe to our podcast. That'd even be a better idea and get caught up that way. Uh, Phil, I I just want to touch on something that you talked about yesterday. And we've talked about this before, but this is such a vital spiritual practice to the Psalms and the Scripture in general. But oftentimes I will go to the Bible and I know that I ought to pray and I just don't know how to or I don't have any words. And God knows that. Yes. Uh, and he has given us a whole book of prayer, and it's yes. called the Psalms. Yes. And just reading and praying. I mean, like, so my practice now is I will, so like we're in Psalm 89 this morning, and it says uh, just the first line, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. Okay, so how do I pray that in a way that's true and real and exposes my heart? Well, it could be a point of confession. Lord, I don't feel like singing your steadfast mm-hmm. love today. I'm in the darkness. Yes. Yes. Cause this thing to rise up in me. Mm-hmm. Or conversely, if if my heart is exploding with praise, then that actually gives voice to my inner man. Right. And, and the Psalms have the whole gamut of our experience and our relationship with God, uh, from exaltation to, to darkness and, and even despair. Um, and the Psalms model for us how to, how to take all of that to God. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the Psalms are, are given to us by God. They, it's, it's unique in the Bible in that these are in, they're inspired words just like the rest of the Bible, but these words of prayer are inspired and given to us so that we can give them back to God and and shape our prayer. The, it's, it's not only the prayer book of the Bible and the hymn book of the Bible, but it's maybe the prayer instruction book of the Bible where we learn how to pray. And I think it's in all circumstances of life. So as the psalm that we looked at yesterday, if you were able to tune in, I mean, in the in the darkness of life, um, Psalm 89 is really in the questions of life, um, where what we know and what we seem to be experiencing are at at odds with one another. And it's interesting that the psalm, Psalm 89, in this midst of questioning, of saying, okay, what I think you've said and what I'm going through don't seem to match. What am I supposed to do? The psalmist gives this answer, I'm to sing and pray. Mm-hmm. That's how the psalm begins and ends. And in between all of that are these struggles of the psalmist. Yeah. But I'm going to sing of the steadfast of the lo- lo- steadfast love of the Lord, even though it appears like the steadfast love of the Lord isn't what I'm experiencing. Yeah. And I'm going to continue to cry out to God and... Interesting, Psalm 
89 verse 52, the last verse says, blessed be the Lord forever and ever. This is such an important, so we were talking about the Myers-Briggs test off air. And on that test, I test as a feeler. Um, And so that really affects the way that I read my Bible. And like it's raining today, that actually affects the way that I feel about the world. And that's really dangerous for feelers because then they can tend to be, you know, like kind of dragged along by a leash by a very very, uh, harsh master. This psalm, I think, teaches you to look at the, just to stop and say, okay, it doesn't matter what I feel. What matters is true about God's covenant. Mm-hmm. And reciting that, telling your soul that, reminding your soul about the truth of God, that hopefully will change my feelings the way I feel about the world. But if not, I have to trust what God's word says as opposed to what my feelings say. Yes. Well, and there's something. There's something vital to the soul and the spirit about singing, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that when when I sing and when we come together as the people of God and and we sing, um, you know, music is the language of the heart, and and it's it it draws in a way draws the heart with it. In verse one of the psalm, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. Um, there's almost a resolve, a decision right there at the beginning of the psalm, I will sing. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting how the psalm then develops that. What, why is he going to sing? Well, he's going to sing because God is a God of covenant. God is a God of promise. God has committed himself um, to his people, and that's verses 1 through 4. Well, how does he know that that's true? In verses 5 through 18, he goes through all of these attributes of God. This is what God is. This is his, his character. And then in verses 19 through 37 is really about him saying, well, what did God promise to David and David's offspring? So he's, he starts by saying, God is a God of covenant. How do I know this? Because of who God is. And then second, because of what God has said. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you come back to what Josh was saying earlier. But what about what I feel? feel. Mm-hmm. And that's verses 38 really through um, almost the end. So he's saying, okay, this is what I know. I know what God is, God of covenant. I know what his character is. I know what he's said. But man, I don't feel it. Yeah, uh-huh. Life doesn't seem to, to suggest that that's true. What do I do? Um, and this is really about faith. Yeah. Um, Will you allow your feelings to dictate how you live, or will you allow the truths of God and what he has said to determine how you live? There's a great illustration I heard a number of years ago. I don't even know who said it, but it's the idea of a train and a caboose. You know, the train is the engine. The train has all the power. It's the train that should be leading and pulling the rest of the uh-huh. of the cars behind it. But when you let your feelings control you, they, then you're trying to run the train by the caboose. That never works, ever. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, there's just some great lines as far as the struggle of the psalmist. He's saying, this is who you are. And then he says, but now, verse 38, you have cast off and rejected. You are full of la- wrath against your anointed. You have uh, renounced the covenant with your servant. You have defiled his crown in the dust. 
You have breached all his walls. You have laid his strongholds to ruin. Um, And that's not true. God cannot cast off and reject his people. He cannot um, have his wrath fall upon his people. He can't renounce his covenant. That's what the first 37 verses are, are showing. God can't do it because he's God. This is an impossibility, but it doesn't change the fact that we can feel like that's true. Yeah. Right. And, and this is one of the places, uh, as, as often, uh, to remember that we don't have the perspective of God. Um, and we see a very short, uh, in, in, our, in our own lives, and, and when, particularly when we're in the dark, we, we see only a tiny little slice of our lives. God takes the long view. Um, as somebody, somebody once said, imagine the incredible leisure of God. And not leisure in the sense of uncaring, but having the perspective of eternity and having this, the perspective of time. Because from one perspective, if you look at the history of Israel, it looked to Israel as if God had renounced the covenant. Yeah. The, the Davidic line came to an end. Yeah. The throne I mean, sat, sat empty for like 600 years. The, the throne, David's throne was empty for 600 years before Jesus Christ came along to, to fulfill and the ultimate fulfillment fulfillment of God's promise that Jesus is the son of David, uh, the Messiah, the Christ, uh, who sits on the throne of David forever. And f- from our momentary perspective, it can look like God has renounced his promise, that God, that God is not keeping his promise to me. And that is always, always, always an illusion. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I cannot see what God sees. Now, I, I would say that this psalm is written during the time of the Babylonian captivity. It would just be, it would have been a nice if we had somebody that was preaching through um, one of the minor prophets that dealt with that time period to help <laughs> shed some light on the perspective of the, the people nice. at this time. <laughs> but <laughs> like, like Habakkuk, like Habakkuk, yeah, would be, that, there you that go. would be really great. Yeah. Because um, you have in this book of Habakkuk, the the prophet is questioning God, saying, wait a minute, how are you using the Babylonians against us? Yeah, we might not be where we're supposed to be, but we're not them. Yeah, right. And the whole book is really this struggle of faith of saying, okay, God, you don't seem to be acting like God. And you seem to be doing some ungodlike things. Yes. And I'm wondering about you. And it's interesting where the book of Habakkuk ends. Mm-hmm. It ends with Habakkuk finally coming to the place where, say, where he says, though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the salts. And you have to understand the language Habakkuk is saying is saying, those are covenant curses. These are the effects of breaking covenant. And, and if... These are all happening, yet, he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. He said, despite what I'm experiencing, I trust. Despite what I experience, I still rejoice in God, and I know who he is, and I know that in his perfect time, all is well. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Psalm, amen to that, brother. And Psalm 89 gives us all the reason why we know that can be true. Mm-hmm. In, in those verses right there in the middle, in verses in 30 to 34, God is explaining the, the terms of the covenant. He, he says, look, uh, the offspring of David, I'm never going to turn my love away from them. When they sin, I'm going to discipline them, but I will never, ever remove my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant. And then you ask, well, why? On what grounds? On what grounds can God do this? And then you get you know, to that kind of deeper spiritual meaning in verses 38 on. Uh, he says, but now you have cast off and rejected. You are full of wrath against your anointed. Who is that ultimately? That is Christ. That's the reason why God will can can discipline us for our iniquities, but not cast us off, because He has already cast off Christ for us. It's this is why the Psalms are are so, I, I think, on one level mysterious, because you have the 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 experience of the psalmist, the experience of the covenant people, but you also have that deeper meaning of Christ every time. And this is yeah. this is the, the very foundation of our hope of the covenant. There's this line in verse 37, it says, like the moon, it shall be established forever. What shall? God, God and his covenant. It's not going to go away. What he's promised is true. There's a great kid's book, if you ever get a hold of it, it's The Moon is Always Round. And it's a book that was written for children to help them understand difficult times. And the what the phrase in the book is, just like God's goodness is always true, even though we don't sometimes feel it. The moon is always round, no matter what we see up in the sky. The, the shape of the moon doesn't change based upon what we see, and God's goodness doesn't change based upon what we see and experience. And that's mm-hmm. really the heart of Psalm 89. Amen. We have been listening to the Gospel for Life. We've hoped that this, this series has been edifying to you. Again, we would just uh, recommend to you um, Dr. Robert Godfrey's uh, little book, learning to love the psalms he's gonna be one of our speakers at our upcoming reformation boise conference in november so check it out on amazon uh learning to love the psalms uh dr robert godfrey 